Scotty. Hey, welcome to the Texans Take. Alrighty, alright. So, what's going on in Texas? There's a lot going on in Texas, always is. Uh, the one thing that caught my attention, though, I'm looking at the Texas Tribune, and here's, let me just read you the, um, the you know, the title of this writing here. It says, Here's how Texas elections would change and become more restrictive under the bill Texas Republicans are pushing. So that's basically what's going on in Texas right now is there's a lot of large corporations like, well, to start off with, Texas uh, is trying to push um, a bill or a couple of bills, and I think it's a bill, uh, to restrict voting. And... Upon hearing that, everybody in the little dog goes, Restrict voting, that is bad! Um, but I would argue that it depends on how you are restricting voting. Um, and uh, you always hear anytime elections come up, even, you know, somebody who... Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of person you are. You could be some some... Uh, straggly-haired, bearded bum under a bridge, and you walk by and they're like, go vote, it's your right, you should do it, you know. I feel like, you know, whenever, you know, voting time comes around, it, everybody becomes just like Captain Go Vote. Um, and I don't know. Honestly, it gets a little bit annoying. Uh, but it is, it is, you know, everybody does, in fact, have the right to vote, and... If you don't use that, then you don't use that. Um, you know, honestly, it doesn't bother me too much unless, you know, if you don't vote, then you're casting a vote. Right. That's honestly what it boils down to. If you don't vote, then you are casting a vote. Um, and it doesn't show up in the polls, but you are. So anyway, uh, pretty sure that these voting restrictions are... A little bit of upset from the GOP, the Texas GOP, about the last election. Uh, I don't think that's too far of a stretch to say that um, uh, there was uh, a lot of fraud in the last election. And pretty much everybody knows it. Only some people are saying it, and some people are saying it louder than others. Right. I'm one of them. I say it very loud because... I think that there was so much hanky-panky going on that last, last election. Um, and uh, uh, there's lots of evidence to back it up, too. Uh, but regardless, I mean, first off, it was it's a mail-in ballot, right? And even, you know, 20 years ago, if somebody suggested a mail-in ballot, everybody with half a brain would say, Ah! Oh, bad idea like really bad idea there's a reason that it's been in in-person voting for so long and the problem is is that there's just so much fraud that comes around with mail-in ballots you know um and that's not to say that there isn't fraud there wasn't fraud before mail-in ballots i believe that there was there's always fraud but the potential for fraud and more fraud and lots of fraud uh, is so much greater with a mail-in ballot. Right. Um, 
because, you know, uh, there have been several, several, several reports of UPS workers with, you know, uh, ballots that have Trump's name on it, filling up their boxes with them and dumping them in the ditch or the garbage or wherever, you know, that actually happened, you know, uh, a lot. And so right there, <laughs> that's election fraud, you know, and I don't, I don't even know if any of those guys who were caught on film doing it were prosecuted. No, I don't think that they were, and they really should have been because that's, that's definitely malevolent. Um, and, uh, anyway, so let me just read the restrictions that are going on. Uh, there's a, a summation of it and it might be, um, it might be a little too condensed. I don't know. Um, but this is the, here's what you need to know about this bill that's being passed. The top one is limiting how local officials can expand voting options. Um, now, Brick, why do you think that that would be a good or bad idea? To limit? To limit. No, it's just like... Uh, to limit uh, being able to expand voting options. Well, it's accountability. Uh-huh. I mean, it's simple accountability, just like, you know, uh, limiting government. Mm -hmm. You know, because government gets out of hand... You know, they, they consume. It, it's, a, it's a very large consumption that they have. You know, there's a saying, the government is always hungry. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's the same thing if you just now, allow is, everyone to vote willy-nilly. You have yeah. people who, you know, are not citizens it's uh, true. Yeah. voting. Yeah. yeah. Mail-in is horrible. The only time I could say mail-in is and, and a quasi-okay thing mm -hmm. is... For people like uh, people who are in overseas, overseas, but I was Military? really gonna say aged people that don't have a way to leave their house. Uh, okay, fair. Uh, like my my great grandmother, you know, in the latter yeah. years of life, even though she hated the idea, that's the way she always did it. Mm -hmm. um, just because it was and not conducive to her health to get out and go to a yeah polling station where everyone and they had they had options for that. They always have. Mm -hmm. You know, not always have, I'm sure. But they, they but. used to be restricted to why are you voting? It gave you three reasons. Yeah. Um, when I first moved to North Carolina, I hadn't moved everything over yet, and I still casted my vote in Texas. I casted right. absentee. Yeah. That's a good reason, you know. Yeah. Um, I knew I wasn't going to be back any time yeah. before the election was over. Any businessman uh, going on a trip out of state. Someone overseas would. Was not going to be able to get to the local, local polling office. <laughs> right. Station. Uh, anyway, and that's where that that really is where early voting comes in, right? For people who know they're not going to be present, yeah, and, and cast the ballot. Which, I'm not technically opposed to that, yeah, just because I will say though. See, early voting is kind of for me. It's like convenient. It really is, but I will actually cast a vote against early voting, and the reason is because. It opens up a lot of possibilities, a lot of uh, uh, ways to induce voting fraud. I no, think, yeah, in fact, you're right. I think that's where a lot of this started. Mm -hmm. And so even if it's a lot more convenient for me in the short run, I think in the long run, 
um, early voting is, uh, I think that it's a way uh, to bring, you know, more possible fraud into the elections. Agreed. I mean, think but about like it. I was saying, the majority know, of the people, the majority of the people that go vote, and mind you, I'm pulling this all out of my head. I don't have any statistics to back this up right now with me. But the more, majority of the people that go and vote are people that are going to be, uh, that are, are people that are already, uh, um, you know, uh, they're at least political minded. Mm -hmm. They know they need to vote. They know that their vote means something. And um, because it's meaningful to them, they're going to reschedule their day to go vote that day, right. you know. Um, and what early voting does is it takes a, it takes, it allows for a larger volume of people who really don't give a darn options to go vote. Right. You know, and honestly, if there's some bum under the bridge, you know, who has, who doesn't care what goes on and really just cares for his next, you know, um, uh, stimulus check or whatever, you know, do I really care that he votes or not? But see, that's, that's what I was, that's what I was getting at earlier. Uh-huh. That's where it's changed. See, it used to be with early voting and voting by mail, you had three criterias you had to meet or, right. or your vote was oh, I see not going to say. They've changed yeah, yeah. that. It used to be you're over the age of X amount, mm -hmm. which they accepted as, okay, you probably can't leave your house. Yeah. Um, you are out of state or overseas. And uh, there was one other one. I can't remember. There was a third one. Uh, I'm talking because I remember the first time I voted, that was on the actual ballot for Texas yeah. is did you vote such and such? Are you such and such? Did you vote that way? Are you da da da? Uh -huh. Did you vote that way? They've changed that on the ballots. It's no longer those three criteria that you have to meet. Yeah. Um. Oh, are you a U.S. citizen? Oh. That's what it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> That was the third one. You had to meet those three criterias or you couldn't early vote. And it was clear on the document yeah. in the big bold yeah. letters, if you don't meet basically, the criteria, you must vote in yeah, person. Basically, you're listing the reasons why reasons. I can't be there on voting day. Right, to right. Vote my vote. I'm going to be gone. I'm in the military. I'm deployed, this, that, and the other. And... I think that if you're going to have early voting, I feel like that's acceptable. We should go back to that. That's how that's how it should be and done. And that's how it used to be yeah, done. And that's good. That's good. And I have not seen that since the first time I voted when I was what? Yeah. 18, whatever sure, it was. Sure. Um, but anyway, I think it's a good thing to but limit. I turned 18 on the the first vote the the first voting cycle. Oh. I was actually 18 and able to vote yeah. on that cycle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, limiting how local officials can expand voting options is a good thing, okay? It's a really good thing because it limits the number of people who are going to go and uh, just give a, a useless, meaningless vote. The people that actually care are going to go through, um, you know, uh, they're going to go through the ropes uh, in order to, to cast their vote. And this is, you know, limit how local officials can expand voting options. 
basically it's saying local officials, what if they want to just say the voting app, you know, answer five questions and vote. Right. You know, it's so limiting well, that. It's like, accountability you know, and there. so exactly, exactly. And so now local officials have less say over how they administer voting. And you, so you'll have a, uh, you'll have less differences in how people vote. It'll be, it'll be a lot more fair that way too, because honestly, that's the one of the deals with voting is it's supposed to be fair, right? An election is supposed to be fair, right? You know, do I, did I like the fact that Barack Obama became president in 2008 and on and on? Honestly, no, I did not vote for the guy, but I will say that was an incredibly fair election. It was. It was. That was a fair election. <laughs> he huh, he rightfully won the vote. There was absolutely no fraud at all in that election, you know, that would have that would have swung it one way or the other. You know, it was like overwhelmingly Barack Obama is president. Granted, the opposition wasn't very, you know, strong, strong to begin with. But I will say that, you know, for, you know, Obama, uh, he won the election. He did. You know, he, he, he certainly uh, got the majority of the votes. And I would call that a fair election as far as the modern world goes. Um, so anyway, um, the second criteria here is re regulate, not criteria, but the second, what you need to know is regulating the distribution of polling places in urban areas, basically you can't open a polling place in your mama's basement, probably. Right. You know, I, I don't know exactly. I haven't read everything about, you know. Uh, actually, they have. It looks like they have different topics here. So you can probably read uh, every bit of what's going on here from the Texas Tribune perspective. But I'm just reading the highlights here. Um, we're requiring paper trails for voting. That's a good thing. Really good thing. That was why there was so much uh you know uh voter fraud in the last one in the last election because if you require a paper trail that means that if somebody votes and it's an illegal vote let's say they're from you know papua new guinea and they come over here and cast a vote in our election somehow it gets through that was documented it was documented right and so later on analysts whose job is to go through and study this stuff can look at that and say oh hey this vote doesn't count. It wasn't supposed to be there. It was an illegal vote. Get rid of it. Right. You know? And so, yeah, you should have a paper trail for voting. You need to make sure that every single vote is cast. I mean, it's not just an engineering mind that I'm bringing forth here. It's a bureaucratic mind. This is how we should do things. Not even how we should do things, but how things are done. Right. You know, my goodness. Um, setting your new rules for voting by mail. Uh, honestly, I would like it if there was no rules for voting by mail, you know, um, but well, well actually, no, 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 that no. goes back to what I was, it, it was saying. I was, I was thinking that as soon as I said that it goes back to what you're saying, setting rules for voting by mail, you know, it, that, that does need to be regulated. It was the way they used to do it. They changed yeah, it. Not everybody can vote by mail. Only. Those of you who and they, you know, they changed it after. See, the first time I was legally allowed to vote was in the 2012 election. Sure. 
Um, I had to think about that. I graduated in 2011. <laughs> so I graduated in 2011, so I was able to vote in 2012. That was the first election, and it was on the paperwork. You know, because they sent me, they send you in the mail, at least they used to in Texas, they used to send you an early voting card. Sure. And your early voting card was basically a ballot at the top. And the second half of the paperwork is... Don't fill this out if you don't meet these requirements. Right, right. It will not be counted. Yeah. And so, I don't know when they changed. I guess it was after that election because I voted, again, I voted absentee in 2000, uh, I guess it would have been, I'm trying to think. Was it 16? It would have had to have been. No, no, it was midterm elections. I voted ah, absentee. Okay, okay. I voted absentee midterm elections. It was in 2014. It was right after I moved up here. And yeah, that makes sense. So you hadn't fully transferred. Right. Yeah, you hadn't fully moved over yet. And so it was right after I'd moved up here and I casted an absentee ballot. Yeah. Uh, I requested one. Yeah. And they sent me the same document, voting card on the top reasons why you can't or you know you have to check and give a reason obviously yeah. you know and they give you a box for give us a good reason sure you know yes i'm casting absentee just moved haven't transferred information over ah great yeah um and they ask for information like driver's license number mm -hmm. confirm that you still have an active driver's license for the state so on and so forth but yeah. um my first election here, which would have been in 2016, when I voted here, that was not the case. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I assume Texas changed with everyone else um, for the federal elections and did not, no longer had those stipulations because it wasn't on my next early voting card. Yeah. Um, so, the next one down here is uh, regulating donations to counties. That's a good thing. You should you should regulate, you know, how you're, you know, who you're sending money to, right. who you're allowing money to come from. Otherwise, you're going to be, you know, uh, you're going to be you're bribing people, you know, and you shouldn't be bribed into voting for somebody. You should be voting for them because they stand for good things and you believe they're genuinely right. a good a good you know. Otherwise, you're just going to be getting good things for a day and have to deal with their rotten policies for the rest of their term. You know. Anyway. Um, setting rules for removing people from the voter rolls. There needs to be. You know. There needs to be rules. Because what if somebody's on the voter rolls and they're not an American? Ah. Uh, then why are you voting in our election? Or they're Please. dead. Or they're dead. Oh my goodness, the number of dead people that voted, I am certain that I have family members who are dead that voted. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's sad. Uh, so yes, that is a good thing. Enhancing poll watcher freedom. I don't know what that means, but it sounds like they want more people watching other people voting. That's a good thing. Because if somebody's watching you vote, how can you cast, you know... A uh, an illegal ballot, you know, uh, and that was another thing that was going on. Is you had 
rooms full of, you know, people in this last election, you had rooms full of people who were, you know, signing three or four ballots. For yeah, themselves. I don't understand how that happened. I, and then, you know, they were blocking because they, doorways. They and give you one closing ballot. windows and stuff, you know, uh, so that nobody could watch and, you know, like expose what was going on. That's rotten. That's evil. Yeah. Anyway. The last one here is requiring the rec the recording of vote counting. That's important. Got to know who voted. That's just bureaucratic. So anyway, um, so there's these big corporations in Texas um, that think that all of these are bad things and uh, restricting freedoms and this, that, and the other, like HP, Microsoft, Patagonia. Uh, and uh, I haven't read this whole thing. But initially, I, I think that I think that they are being absolutely ridiculous because uh, these are good things. These are desirable things for a fair election, um, and uh, doesn't meet their agenda, and so they don't like it. And that's that's just the fact of the matter. Anyway, tell us what your thoughts on that are, and uh, we are going to take a obscene profit break, and we'll be right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Right, Ladies back. and gentlemen, we are back. Okay, so we find ourselves in 2 Samuel, the fourth chapter. Um, just a little recap on our last chapter. Uh, Abner died. Abner, the son of Nerner. Abner, Ner, Abner, the son of yeah, Ner. Anyway, um, makes you wonder what Ab means. Ner, because I feel like Abner sounds like you know two words that they put together. You know, like almost Abner would be like the son of Ner, like Ab David would be the son of David or something. I don't know. It's just what it sounds like, especially since it's Abner, the son of Ner. I don't know, which would be funny because then it would be Abner, basically Ab, the son of Ner, the son of Ner. I don't know. I just like to father say of light. Is that what it means? Abner it means father of light. What does so Ner Ab mean? Huh? What does Ner mean? Let's see. Let's see if it breaks it down. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> uh. So not here. Let's see if there's another. I think the use of the name Ner has probably diminished over the last couple thousand years. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, this is biblical. Let's, yeah. see, let's see what it says. Abner, biblical meaning. See, the name did not sound great to me, but now I'm so like, So father okay. of light. So which so one is father Alyssa and which is one is very light? Ab so would be her, father. Right. Ner, like, I suppose, is light. Right. Okay. Like... Yeah, Abba, because Abba, Abba is, is father. father. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, that uh, makes perfect sense. Uh, okay. Father of light. So, father of light, son of light. Yeah, so I'll, I, I would have <laughs> to ask... Abner, the son of Ner. ask what K.O. means. K.O. means something really... As weird as the name is, and it's Hawaiian... Is where it where it actually the origin of the name is far, but it has 
So Alyssa has this great, which I love that because like Lila, Lila was like um, an ink pen away from being Aurora. Uh-huh. Ooh, I like. She was an ink pen away from being Ooh. Aurora, but Ly but she turned when she came out, she was dark, dark headed. Uh-huh. Had a head full of hair. And Lila means dark haired beauty. Oh. So we went with Lila over Aurora. Interesting. Because we were gonna name her Aurora because she was born at sunrise. Where does uh where does uh Lila, where where does what's the etymology on that name? Where does that I am not a hundred percent sure. We can look it up real quick. Her middle name, she's named after my great grandmother. Uh huh. And it's her middle name is Olitha. Olitha. The uh, Scandinavian, the um, the male counterpart of that name is Ole. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ole and Olitha mean the same thing. It's just a, a feminine male version of it. Right. And it means nimble one. Interesting. Very interesting. Strong, zealous, and full of knowledge. That's what Kea means. It's Arabic. Really? Lila is Arabic. Lila is Arabic. Okay. Kea is Hawaiian. Yeah. And that's what Kea's name means? Is right. Strong, zealous, and full of knowledge. Right. Whenever I think Kea, I always think, Kea, you win. You know? Yeah, I know. Knockout. So I like well, that strong and zealous part. So what's really interesting is uh, it, <laughs> everyone's gonna go look this up now. Uh, the Hawaiian alphabet is full of consonants. Fun. I think it only includes one vowel. That's incredibly annoying. They should have paid for some more vowels. No, it's two. It has to be two because K O, A and O are the A only two. Um, the only two vowels. The rest of them are consonants. Yeah. All I know about Hawaii is that the capital Keanu. Is... Keanu. That's an E and an and O. There, there is. So there's. I'll have to look it up now. There's yeah, something yeah. to do with the consonants. The language is completely different, and they use. They use consonants differently than like it doesn't follow the structure of English. Yeah. At all. Um, yeah. I do know and that there's most, a Hawaiian fish. There's, there's a couple of them. I think it's the state fish of Hawaii. It's, it's about this long. About a foot and a half long if you write it in. And it's called the Numa Numa Huka Huka Apawa'a. Yeah, see? And it's, <laughs> it's, and it's no, 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 no. I think it's an itty-bitty little fish, too. So my, my parents, I was, I was, by the way, I'm still heartbroken, slightly begrudged. But it's okay. I'm sure I wasn't old enough, you know, wink, wink. But my parents, so my dad, you know, back in the day when when they actually did this in the car business, um, if you sold so many cars or did so well, my dad was a, a GM at this point, so he fell under different statistics or different criteria mm-hmm. than salespeople do. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, but he would be awarded the option of a bonus or a paid trip. Ooh, that's hard. So money or trip. Money yeah. or trip. Now, it equaled the same. 
Right. It was like, you get a paid trip for this, we pay it. Basically, here's your check or here's your trip. Here's your trip. Same and check. So he got he had a really good year one year. And I remember my I would have been ten because Tristan got to go because uh-huh. he was still nursing. Yeah. And Chrysler made like an extra little thing for that. I'm like, okay, you can take him too. Huh. And Chrysler also, I guess, awarded them a babysitter. Yeah. And so my my cousin got to go as a babysitter. Nice. They nice. went to Hawaii. Perks, perks of being a cousin. <laughs> so my dad comes back completely in love with this singer that no one has heard of. Well, they have now. But he was literally like a 580-pound Hawaiian dude. Oh, yeah. Israel, Kama Kama something, Uli. Kama Kama Haka Haka Waka Uli. Yeah, it's, it's – and and Dad came back, and he told me what was up with the language, and, like, I, I can't remember now. But the, the consonants are overwhelming. Just uh, – my goodness. But And, by the way, go look it up. You just – you can literally type in Hawaiian singer Israel, and it, it'll pop up on any search engine. He's the only one. <laughs> Um, but he, he was very good. Uh, he had a, he had a beautiful voice. Like Mm. his voice was amazing. Uh, and he only played the ukulele. Yeah. Kind of the Hawaiian thing. Yeah. Um, but his music is just very world known. Yeah. Anytime I think of ukulele, I always think of kind of plinky guitar music, uh, being played while wearing a grass skirt of some kind. That's like what I think of is... A Hawaiian grass skirt with a plinky plinky little guitar. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, enough with names. Let's move on to Abner and the Bible. Well, actually, not Abner. Abner's dead. Abner, oh. the son of Ner. But Ishbosheth, the son of Abner, the son of Ner, <laughs> uh, is murdered in this chapter. Oh. Mind you, Ishbosheth is the one that Abner, the son of Ner, was trying to uh, make king over the land. Uh, he was like, "Yo, Saul's his dad. He was king, so this is royal blood. Ishbosheth will, will be king. Come on, tribes, come and follow Ishbosheth." And mind you, all the tribes except for Judah did follow Ishbosheth. Uh, Judah followed David. Then um, Abner died, um, and. Uh, now we're going to read chapter 4 and see what happens to Ishbosheth. So, when Saul's son heard that Abner had died in Hebron, Saul's son, that is Ishbosheth, when Saul's son Ishbosheth heard that Abner had died in Hebron, he lost heart, and all Israel was troubled. Now, Saul's son had two men who were captains of troops. The name of one was Bana. And the name of the other was Rechab, or Rechab. The sons of Rimen, uh, the Berethite, of the children of Benjamin. That would be your tribe. You would be with the, 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 the Berethites. I would be in the tribe of Benjamin? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's B-E-E-R-O-thites. Oh, I see what you the did there. The Berethites, That would yes. be me. Yeah. I would me probably and William be would be the that same. Tribe yeah. <laughs> me, William, and you would be in that tribe yeah. going, yes! Yeah. And the Berethites, the Berethites fought the Aelites, and the Aelites fought with, sided with the Siderites, and the, 
and the winos just sat it out. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they were enjoying the show. And the name of one was Bana, and the name of the other Rachab, uh, the sons of Rimon the Birathite, of the children of Benjamin. For Biroth also was part of Benjamin. So Benjamin has been divided into little sub-Benjamins, uh, sub-Benjamites, and this Benjamite was a Birathite. Um, so anyway, there you have it. Uh, because the the Birathites fled to Gitame and have been sojourners there until this day, uh, which if they have beer, that's a good reason to sojourn. That's true. Yeah, it makes it a lot more interesting. More I'd be sojourning a lot. Yeah. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame. Oh, that's sad. His name was Mephibosheth. Then the sons of Rimmon, the Berethite, Rakab and Bana, set out and came at about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, who was lying on his bed at noon. And they came there all the way into the house, as though to get wheat. And they stabbed him in the stomach. Then Rakab and Bana, his brother, escaped. Um, for when they came into the house, he was lying on his bed in his bedroom. Then they struck him and killed him, beheaded him and took his head, <coughs> and were all night escaping through the plain. And so, they brought the head. Huh? Huh? I say I, I have a picture here that will actually describe this very well, okay. and I will post it to the Facebook page for anybody. It's a map of the Valley of Jezreel, just to kind of give you all some context of, because it really does help to see. You know, they came from Jezreel, okay, uh -huh. and they went to where? Where where are they currently? They are currently. At the house of Ithbosheth. Uh, where did they go? Hold on. All night through the plain. So Jezreel, they went to they went to they went to Hebron. Okay, so Jezreel is surrounded by Asher, Zebulun, Issachar, Manasseh, and Gad. Uh huh. So all of those are surrounding areas to the valley of Jezreel. Okay. Oh, let's see. Um, so the sons of Rimmon, the Berethite, um, uh, Rechab and Banah set out, and let's see. Okay. Uh, they stabbed him in the stomach. When they came to the house, uh, when they came to his house, he was lying in his bedroom. They struck him and killed him, beheaded him, took his head, and were all night escaping through the plain. And they brought his head, they brought the head of Ishbeth, Ishbosheth to David at Hebron, and said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. And the Lord has avenged my lord the king this day of Saul and his descendants. But David answered Rechab and Banah his brother, the sons of Ramon the Berethite, and said to them, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all adversary? When someone told me, saying, Look, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good news, I arrested him and had him executed in Ziklag. 
the one who thought I would give him a reward for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house on his bed? Therefore I shall not now require his blood at your hand and remove you from the earth. Uh, therefore shall I not require his blood at your hand and remove you from the earth? So David commanded his young men, and they executed them, cut off their hands and feet, and hanged them by the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the tomb of Abner in Hebron. Uh, so um, that's all of chapter 4. And you can see what happened here. Um, and it's been happening for a while now. You've got people who know that Saul has been kind of a thorn in the flesh to David and that David wouldn't lift a finger. Uh, the, surely they should have known that if David wanted to do anything to Saul, he would have and could have. And had just as much power he had as so many opportunities. You know, God gave David, you know, so many, uh, so much ability, so much power to evade Saul. If he wanted to, he could have killed Saul in an instant. Okay, and so these people are coming. Um, the one who killed Saul came by and was basically like, you know, hey, I killed Saul. He's dead. You know, uh, what's he looking for? He's looking for a reward, you know. Um, and David's like, you know, hey, I didn't ask you to do that, and that's royal blood. And for the penalty for killing royal blood is death. In fact, that's the main reason why David didn't do it. Despite the fact that he was anointed by God, he knew that God anointed Saul king first. And honored that. And honored that, you know. And so when this guy comes by, just like, you know, willy-nilly, you know, hey, man, last survivor this, you know, I, was, I survived this battle, you know, and kind of kind of killed Saul, you know. Um, and he was expecting accolades, praise. He was expecting, um, you know, uh, rich rewards. Mm -hmm. And David was like, I didn't ask for this, you know. You killed royal blood, and by your mouth you have confessed it, and so uh, by my sword you shall die. Uh, and so they killed him. Uh, and anyway, so he was trying to. He was trying to. Uh, he was trying to ride the ride the Saul wave. You know, he's dead. You know, if I go. Tell David that I killed him, you know, I might get good things, you know, whether right. it was good for David or not, doesn't really matter. Uh, he was just looking for stuff. Not good enough, apparently. And so we see the same thing happening here when uh, Saul's son, Ishbosheth, he was not necessarily a thorn in David's side. He was never actively trying to kill David, uh, but he was trying to take over the kingdom by way of Abner. Abner was kind of, you know, um, selling him as the new king. Right. You know, in the wake of Saul. Um, and so these guys killed Ishbosheth and came to David. And basically, it's second verse, same as the first. You know, we killed this guy, you know. Uh, he was giving you some trouble. Here's his head. You know, 
Where's my reward? I kind of like a reward. David's like, I never issued any reward or any decree. I didn't have anything against Ishbosheth. Uh, but now that you've admit, admitted that you killed him, uh, your punishment is death. You know, I think you're going to get a bunch of good stuff, but I never asked for that. So, sorry. And I see that as honorable. Yeah. And listen to what he says. I'm going to read this again. As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all adversity, when somebody told me saying, look, Saul is dead. And this is what I said, you know, what I was talking about first. Thinking to have brought good news, I arrested him and had him executed in Ziklag. The one who thought I would give him a reward for his for, the, for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house on his bed? Therefore, I shall now require his blood. Uh, therefore, shall I not require his blood at your hand and remove you from the earth? I can see them. Their their smiles is kind of, you know, both mustaches, hey. both mustaches drooping, like uh oh. Not what we were looking for. Um, and so David made an example of them. Um, and it was honorable in doing so. Yeah. Yeah. Like David said, wicked men looking for a reward. And uh, you know what's funny is... Read that again about the righteous men in the bed. Read that. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house on his bed? Wasn't, didn't Saul try to kill David in his bed? Might have tried to kill him a couple he did, of times. Remember? Yeah. Because she, uh, his wife, put the, the clothing oh, in the bed. Oh, that's right. That's right. No, you're yeah, right. I you're think right. He's speaking of reference here. I don't think he's speaking in general. He's speaking, how, how, how is it a different evil mm -hmm. than when Saul tried to kill me in my bed? Right. How is it a different evil? It's not. Yeah. It's the same evil. How do you repay evil with evil? Right. right. I think that's what he's getting at here. Well, maybe so. He's not, I don't think he's speaking of, he's not speaking in a, he, he is in a parable kind of way, but he's not, he's not speaking just generically. I think he's speaking... Assuming Saul's you think, army, you think that he has he has that. Uh, uh, I think in Saul's mind. army knows, because I'm sure some of these people were the ones cast to kill David. Yeah, and so when he's saying that, he's saying that because they know what he's saying. Yeah, and they're I like, so. oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. <laughs> you know, uh oh, not how I thought that was gonna go. <laughs> yeah, I think he's. Yeah. I think he's like throwing it back on them like how is this different when you tried to kill me yeah how how is this better yeah it's not you killed the and king. you can see that david's not trying to rally the troops you know uh no. war his way to war his way to a kingdom uh after ishbosheth was gaining for lack of a better word popularity or People saw him as a king. Uh, Judah was the only one that sided with David and went to David's kingdom or was ruled by David. Right. Allowed David to rule over him. Uh, but Ishbosheth, as far as I remember, I don't think he did anything against David. It was just kind of, you know, hey guys, you know, Ishbosheth or David, take your pick, you know. 
Um, and there wasn't any tension or strife between Ishbosheth and David. It was just kind of like, you know, okay, well, I guess you have all that now, and I have Judah. Well, and there wouldn't have been, because what did Jonathan ask of David? Well, yes and no. Jonathan asked for him and his descendants. He didn't ask about his brothers. Go back, because I think he said, me and my family. Go back and look at that. He might have. Do you he remember said, what chapter that my, is? I do not. It's going to be two chapters back, I think. David and Goliath. David's 400. Because I think he said, remember me and my family. Mind you, he did say uh, there was two different instances of covenant. I'm talking made. about the, the, the covenant where he's... The first one? No, the second one where he's like, if if it's true that my, my father wants to kill you, remember me and my family. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, I'm not sure where that is exactly. Bring the ephod here, David said. Let's see, he saves the city. I want to say that's later. Jonathan's loyalty to David. I bet you this is where it is. Uh, okay, good, good, good. It happened the next day, the month of David's place is empty. Saul said to Jonathan, let's see. Yeah, it was okay. probably going to be down here near the bottom. Then Jonathan said to David, the sea. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from his place uh, towards the ground, fell on his face to the ground, bowed down three times, and they kissed one another, and they wept together, but David uh, more so. Ah, yes, here we go. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So, it is his image. Okay. I'm wrong. I thought it was your house and my house. Nope, nope. Descendants. Uh, but anyway, uh, so, but David still honored Saul and Abner. I'm not honestly sure why he honored Abner so much, aside from maybe he was just a great soldier. Well, I, I would bark to say Abner was probably a leading commander. Uh-huh. Before David, during the David and Goliath spell. He might have fought with Abner several times. Fought with Abner. Not as, against, but well, with. See, well, what I'm saying is he probably fought with him as a head uh-huh. to the army. And then when David rose as head to the army, he commanded Abner. So there's likely chance that they knew each other and fought together on many occasions. I hadn't thought about that. Well, hey, we're going to take a break here. Uh, we'll be right back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. All right, we are back. All right, we're back. And so, we had we had multiple conversations while uh, we were in the break. Yeah. Uh, but so hopefully we don't sound like we're rambling too much here. Uh, we don't have a set direction, but we did have a lot of things that we were talking about. I, it's kind of one of those I, things we decided that. This stuff is better heard by everyone yeah. uh, because it's good stuff. In, yeah, in, in my yeah. opinion, it's really, you know, it's something that so, is not brought um, to light enough. Brig and I were talking about um, atheism and theism and anti-theism and stuff like that. And my brain picked up on a couple of things uh, that's not related to any of those. Uh, or it'd be a stretch anyway. Uh, but here's something that I was thinking about. 
Um, and one of the blessings in reading through the Old Testament slowly and in detail like this is, um, you know, it's, I remember so much more from each chapter. I can assure you that, you know, whenever I sit down and read the Bible to get through it, it doesn't last. You miss things. I miss things so much. I'll remember maybe big pictures. Um, but for me in particular, my memory is not incredible. It really isn't. I'm full aware of that. Um, uh, but when I sit down and really study it in depth, that's, that's where I really start grabbing stuff. And the, the way around that is to be like, uh, pastor John Weaver, who would be amazing to get on the show. Um, but he he read the Bible when he was going through seminary. He read the Bible. I think he read the Old Testament through every month and the New Testament through every week. Um, and so his his basis for that was, hey, I love God and I want to be a pastor, so I better understand this book pretty darn well. And so he just read and read and read and read and read now my calling is not to be a pastor um but that's probably what i would have to do in order to actually understand you know god's word as in depth as he does uh just because when i just read it once through i don't remember things that well i have to sit in each chapter and really think it through and so if i was to remember it really well just by reading it through I would have to be like John Weaver and, you know, read the New Testament every week and the Old read Testament every month and just be in nonstop, which, you know, I would like to have that kind of time. <laughs> Wouldn't uh, we all? Fortunately for me and my my uh, poor memory, uh, my calling is not to be a pastor. Um, and so... Uh, the other option is what I'm doing right now and just slowly going through, but digging really deep in each chapter. So uh, this is what I was thinking about. Um, so uh, Bill, uh, Bill Hill, who we had on twice now, is that right? Mm -hmm. um, he talked about foreshadowing and, you know, uh, seeing Christ everywhere in the in the bible it's like you know if you don't really understand what's going on in a chapter you know you can usually you should be able to see christ somewhere in there uh or a foreshadowing thereof and so my question was to brig i'll try to say it the same way i did first time and then i'll yeah yeah hopefully say it the way i did the second time again uh but anyway so it was where in the Old Testament, well, in the Old Testament, what do we see? We see Saul, who was king. Mm -hmm. God anointed Saul king. Mm -hmm. And later on in Saul's reign, God says, you know what? You're king. You seem to be enjoying life pretty good. The fact of the matter is, is that you are not, 
you are not my anointed. I mean, you are my anointed, but I am anointing a new king. Not from Saul's line. Not from Saul's line. And Saul, um, uh, Saul was an extension. Before Saul, there was not kings of Israel. There was patriarchs. Uh, there was prophets. Um, and um, basically, Israel was guided through God, uh, by God, through uh, prophets like Samuel. You know, right. they'd go off into the woods or uh, uh, go uh, be with God or whatever. Um, and God would tell them things and uh, say, this is how my people are to be. Um, you know, just like just like with Abraham, God said, you know, come on up to this mountain and I'm going to basically give you some hard schooling for a while. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you exactly how my people are. Uh, to conduct themselves and the rules by which they should follow, and so uh, uh, Abraham was not a king. Okay, Saul, I mean uh, uh, Samuel was not a king; they were just prophets. Okay, but eventually, uh, the rest of the world—they all have kings. You know, it's the big thing. Everybody's got to have a king. Um, and in the people who didn't have God as the forefront in their life. Who is their king? Well, I mean, why did they want a king? Well, because they didn't necessarily have God, and so they needed some sort of authority and power, and they usually became gods, kind of like the Egyptians. You right. know, the, the pharaohs were basically demigods. Um, they had all that godly authority. Well, not demigods, but... Basically, as, as close to God as you can get by being human. Right. Yeah. Um... No, that's, that's right. That's a good Mind you, they worked yeah. by magicians. Yeah. Not by any deity, really. Right. Uh, but anyway... See, in order to be a demigod, you would have to be a half-god. I mean, just... A demigod is a half-god. Yeah, a half-god, right. but even to be as close to a god, you would have to be serving one, which the pharaoh did not. Right. They, they worked by magicians and magic, which is another reason why God says, oh, yeah. that's not good. Anyway, where I was going with that was, um, now I was just trying to clarify for Israel. Israel said, "Well, hey, God, we'd kind of like a king. That's kind of cool." Yeah. And God was like, "Look, dudes, I'm your God. Okay, I gave you my rules, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, talking to you." through my prophets what more do you want and they're like hey we really actually like a king and god was like Shh, all right you guys want a king i'll give you a king uh just remember that you've got to serve this king as anointed by me you know and so after a while God basically came to Samuel and was like, hey, look, dude, so my people want a king. I'm going to give them what they ask for. So there. Um, and God chooses Saul. Um, anyway, Saul's king. And then David says, I mean, God says, you know what? But David's the one that I'm actually going to, I'm going to anoint David as king. And he's going to be my chosen king over my people. Okay. Um, 
Where do we see that in the New Testament? Go ahead and answer. Oh, okay. Okay, no, don't answer. Okay. I, th I thought you were going to continue. I, I was that's right. I forgot it. that I was going to do that. So you were quiet, and I was like, come on, just answer the, oh, I forgot. My bad. Well, anyway, since you yeah, opened no, me no, up. No, no, no. Okay, um, okay. But anyway, um, to reiterate the question, better question, um, Saul hated David so much. What's one of the primary reasons that Saul hated David so much? What is the primary reason why Saul hated David so much? Uh -huh. It's because he had he knew that God had left him and gone to another. And I think the deeper problem for for Saul was that it wasn't one of his own. Right. So Saul hated David. He could feel that God was leaving him and was going to David. Okay. It's almost like I'm coming out of you, Saul. I'm giving all of it to David, not you, Saul. And so that angered Saul um, and uh, was why he was at enmity with David for the rest of his life. Um, and what th that's a foreshadowing, I think. And why is that a foreshadowing? Where do we see that again in the New Testament? Christ. Christ. The Jews hated Christ so much, and not just the Jews, but I mean like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all that jazz. They hated Christ so, so, so much. Why? Well, it's kind of the same deal that you see with, with uh, Saul and David. Uh, the Jews had the power. That was the religion. Um, and... Um, it definitely got out of hand and was going against, you know, they were making rules and stuff like that that God had not ordained. Uh, but God basically came to the Jews uh, and said, hey, I am bringing another king. And this, this king is Jesus, and he's my son. And so, which you know, he's... A trinity his you know uh jesus serves three different purposes he is a king uh he is a he's a prophet a priest and a king uh but anyway that's kind of the big deal in the book of matthew is it's king jesus there is a new yeah. there's a new uh uh kingdom uh that god is bringing uh, and it's not necessarily, it's, it's not a worldly kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. And the king is Jesus. Right. And Jesus comes through and is proclamating. He's, um, you know, uh, doing miracles. And he's, he's basically proving that he is God. Um, and, and he's going to reign. Well, what happened... What happened to the temple? The temple and, uh, you know, uh, Jerusalem and all that, it was sacked and it was destroyed. And God said, no two stones will be left on top of each other. 
going to level it. And that happens. What is it, 70 AD, I think, I is the sack is, yeah. of Jerusalem? And God's word is completely fulfilled. In fact, I think the Romans actually uh, salted the ground. Uh, they and did. So it was bad. And more basically what, what God said would happen. Um, but what happened, uh, God opens the door to salvation to the Gentiles, right. to you and me, Brig, and to many of you listeners out there. You know, he he tells the Jews, hey, look, you know, um, Jesus is king. He right. is God. And if you don't, you can only come to me through Jesus. Um, and if you don't, then sorry. You know, right. I'm basically taking away your, your, uh, I'm taking away, uh, your sacredness. You're right. no longer just my people. I'm opening that to the rest of the world because you guys muffed it, you know? Right. Um, and so what we see is this Jewish kingdom, this Jewish religion, basically God's pulling himself out of that. And then Jesus is king, and we see salvation going to the Gentiles. Right. And it's not easy for a Jew to leave the Jewish faith and to come to Christianity. It does happen, but it doesn't happen very often. And there was a lot of enmity uh, and hatred towards Christianity by the Jews. You know, they eventually crucified Jesus. Um, and... Uh, I think a lot of it was because they could feel God leaving them. Right. You know? Um, and in, anyway, that was, that was the, the thought that I had. I'd love to hear more thoughts of it. Uh, commenting. How do they, how do they comment on our stuff? Is that on Facebook? Yeah. Facebook, you can go to anchor directly, but, uh, uh, Facebook or, uh, Texans take at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. So anyway, that was my foreshadowing thought that I had. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Brig and I had also done some talk about pride. I don't think that we have enough time being like what? Yeah, I don't think we can cover pride in, <laughs> yeah, in a couple I, we'll, of minutes. We'll to, but we'll we would to. we would love to to do uh, just to talk about pride. Maybe we can yeah. find somebody to guest speak with us. That would be awesome. Um, That'd be really good. Pride is bad. (laughs) Uh, To put it, to put it shortly, uh, it doesn't really help anything. It really doesn't help anything. And I would say that pride is probably one of the things that is that takes us furthest away from God. It does. It takes us so far from God. And the reason that it does that, basically what pride is, is it's giving you more credit than 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 is due. Right. And it's not giving well, pride is not giving credit to where it's due. Right. Saying, I did this, it's mine, um, and 
uh, I get all the glory. It's all right. me, you know. Uh, and at the end of the day, despite, you know, if I went on, a, if I did a, say I did a horse race and I got first place and I get the, the blue ribbon, uh, the gold medal, uh, whatever, um, the thing that I am absolutely going to say is I did it. I won and I deserve these medals. As a Christian, though, ultimately, yes, you may have done all those things, but give credit where it's due. God gave you all of that. In fact, God ordained you're winning that. And so uh, it really, it, it, you know, it's not good to be prideful because where does the credit ultimately go? It goes to God, you know. And a good Christian knows that. Um, and I think, I think that's where a lot of people, a lot of non-Christians, I think that's one of the bars that keeps them from coming uh, to Christianity is that they're like, well, I'm a, basically a good person. I kind of like credit for that. Right. You know, they don't want to give the credit to God. Uh, they want to keep it to themselves. Um they don't want it to look like somebody else is greater than them. They want to be their own authority. Right. Uh, and so anyway, uh, pride is, God talks a lot about pride. Let's just say that God talks a lot about pride and it's, it's never in a good way. Yeah. He doesn't uh, put it in a good light. No, 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 he doesn't. And it's because no one does it with, uh, with humility. Yeah. Which is funny. Nobody talks about pride and humility. Well, you can't have that. You can. You certainly can. You know, when you, you know? give God the honor, even though you're proud of what you've accomplished, when you give God the honor, you're you are being prideful in humility. That that and that is something that is. It's basically, you know, I am an incredibly sh sharp knife. I'm an incredibly good tool because I have a good master. Right. You know. That guy came by, he sharpened me, he cleaned me, oiled me, um, and now I can be the best tool that I can possibly be because of him. Right. You know, he took the time with me. Uh, he made me. Um, he knows my ins and outs, and it's because of him that I have any good thing. Right. Uh, and so you can say, yes, I am an incredible tool. I am an incredible man. I have excellent interpersonal skills. I have a brilliant mind. I can go make lots of money. I can go do this. I can go do that. I can do wonderful, amazing things. Does it sound prideful? It does kind of. But you know what? I can only do those things because of God. It changes the whole and thing. And it changes everything. It changes everything. So anyway... Uh, tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we were thinking about doing that. Uh, but anyway, we're going to take a little break here, and we'll be right back. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you You were whistling. Yeah, I was. Yeah, not anymore. I'm done no, now. do it again. Do it again. It was, that was actually pretty good. Oh? On the spot, you can't do it? No. Oh. It's hard to whistle when you're smiling. Well, <laughs> speaking of uh, whistling. You whistle to your teeth, I suppose. Uh, 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 so while you're smiling, yeah. So, 
state bird. State bird of uh, the land of Texas. The great state thereof. Uh, the mockingbird. Now, the mockingbird, I was actually kind of impressed because I thought it was like 20 something. But apparently, in their lifetime, a mockingbird can record and repeat over 200 songs during its lifetime. Uh, bird songs, dog barks, instruments, and even sirens. Dang. So basically, 20 uh, different sound... 200. Uh, 200 different... Sounds. Sound bits. Yeah. And and that's in eight years for the average mockingbird. That's crazy. Uh, in captivity, they can live up to 20 years, but the average lifespan is eight years. Wow. Just basically. imagine that. Being able to retain 200 songs as a bird. Yeah. They're 13 inches tall. They're not even that big. Yeah. No, they're not. That's pretty crazy. That is, that is insane. And some of us are still learning how to speak. <laughs> I'd, I'd kind of like to have a mockingbird in my uh, in my bird cage so that I could just play songs for it. And then he could just play it on repeat. Yeah, know? I know, That'd right? Fun. So when I was, uh, when I was, I don't know, I was probably seven, eight years old. Uh, well, I, I, I was about to say I still have it, but I'm pretty sure I know exactly where it was at the house and it burned in the fire. Ooh. So, um, uh, I don't have it anymore, but I used to have this really amazing clock that had 12 of the most famous birds of Texas. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, 12 was the mockingbird. Huh. And so every time the clock struck 12 it would be a different sound oh, that a mockingbird cool. oh, normally had yeah and it would How many go different recordings did it have 200? i don't know i i, I don't <laughs> know if it had 200 i was actually thinking about that i don't know that i ever heard the same one twice huh? that's what was interesting because it was it was always a unique sound you knew it was 12 o'clock yeah because it was something that wasn't like regular right all the other birds one sound robin you know all, all the normal birds of texas um, but then at twelve o'clock, it was always a different sound, huh. and that's how you knew it was twelve o'clock. That's cool. It's because it went off, and it was a different sound. It was super cool, uh, and it made me dig into mockingbirds. And I was right; I, I got the two right. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, where do you find mockingbirds mainly? In they're Texas? all over Texas. Like all over. Oh yeah. Where in Texas so um, they are really prominent in Central Texas. Uh, they're all over the place. I would I would really say anywhere in Texas that you're gonna find a robin, you're gonna find a mockingbird. Okay. Um, they're they're just very prominent. The problem is, so anytime you find a robin, you're gonna find somebody mocking him. Yeah, right. In the past, uh, I'd say probably 25 years, uh, Texas has had a real problem with cowbirds. Uh huh. Cowbirds. So I don't know if you know are familiar with cowbirds. Yeah. Cowbirds are. Uh, Birds that move. Let is let's put it that let's put it this way. My my grandfather used to sit on the back porch with a BB gun and just so he up. could kill cowbirds. <laughs> so cowbirds are sneaky little devils. They will go and find a nest full of eggs, kick the eggs out of the nest, put their own eggs in the nest, and let the parent who owns that nest raise their kids. Dang, sneaky. They lay eggs in someone else, but they, they make sure they knock out all the 
the eggs that are in there and they really really killed a lot of the species uh mm -hmm. robins are really the main culprit and here's the problem with robins that is really funny they're the only ones that can fool a fool cowbirds are the only thing that can really fool a robin huh. robins if you were to go up and touch their nest they'll never come back to it yeah if anything touches their nest and the scent is it's on it tainted. they'll never come back to yeah. it it doesn't matter if there's crying babies in that nest yeah they'll never come back to it because it's now danger yeah uh cowbirds can go and put their eggs in robin's nests and they'll never they won't know the difference they will not know the difference it's the weirdest oh my thing. it's got bigger yeah this is the weirdest thing it is they're the only ones that can do it but they uh, really killed the robin species uh mockingbirds uh, the only one that uh, that they really haven't done it to is the uh, the whippoorwill, because uh -huh. uh, the whippoorwill lays their eggs in the in the ground. Oh, uh, they're, they're the whippoorwill lay its eggs in the ground. Yeah, yeah, they're a ground bird. Um, they're uh, that's a that's another Texas bird that's very interesting. Whippoorwill. You know much about them? No. So um, they they lay their eggs pretty open. It's actually when you stumble upon. You know, a couple rocks in the circle, and there's an egg in it. You know that's a whippoorwill's nest. Huh. They're usually off the beaten path, but they're there. And they're usually you usually find them under or around trees. Yeah, uh, they like rocks though. So any rocky areas of Texas, you know, uh, the hill country, they're all oh oh my gosh, they're all over the hill country because yeah. they love rocks. They'll pick yeah. up rocks and put them in a circle, and that's their nest. <laughs> Cave but, birds, cave birds. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're weird. But uh, if you get close, like if they stay in the near vicinity of their nest, which is really funny. Uh -huh. They stay within, you know, 30 feet of their nest all the time. So they're always there. So if you walk up on one and you hear, that is a, that is them deterring you from the nest and they're leading you away from it because you're going to follow. Predators follow sounds, right? So they're going to walk away from their nest, make a noise, and then go back right. to Right. The they'll ah. get you away from their nest. And sometimes they'll go a couple hundred yards to get yeah. you away from the nest, and then they'll run back. Yeah. yeah. The, they, they do that. that that's their... Okay. Oh, there's a bird so over here. In, in a lot of 1950s, 1960s Western movies, yeah, you hear that. It's a it's a deterrent, you know, like oh you're automatically gonna look over there. It's 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 the whippoorwill call. Yeah, so whippoorwills they they're they're pretty fearless birds, which is kind of funny because I've chased a couple of them for fun. Because when you stumble upon their nest, you can't help but go and wait for them to to do their call, you know, because you get they they're always watching. That's the funny thing. Yeah, is they're usually within thirty so feet of their nest. Always watching. watching, like, yeah, they're always not, not there. They don't fly a lot. In fact, if you see them fly, it's usually in a in a uh, spider flight. Kind of, yeah. So it's yeah. it's very much like watching a uh, a chicken fly because yeah. they're they're not a flightless bird. They can fly. Yeah, but when that <laughs> that's another thing. I actually just forgot this. Whip uh, whippoorwills actually fake injuries. <laughs> They'll, they'll drag their wing, that you know, and fake out. injuries to get somebody away from their nest. Huh. And then as soon as you're close enough to them, they're just like, ha, 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 I can yeah. fly. 
you know. Had you go in there. They're very we? cool though, because you ever run across and and what's actually interesting, they do kind of look like quail eggs. Yeah. So they're the only difference really between quails and whippoorwills is fine is as far as the nest goes. Whippoorwills generally have rocky nests. Yeah. Whereas quails is just like anything in the area. Um, but no, they're, they're an interesting bird. If you ever stumble across one, uh, obviously I'm not going to say take their eggs, but have a little fun with it, you know, get close enough and then listen to the sound and, and, and follow them. That is, as soon as you see them, follow them. Cause they will, they'll, they'll play like they have a, a bad wing and they'll, you know, stumble around for a minute. And as soon as you're close enough to them, they're just like, Psh. yeah, off ah, I go, okay, you know, and, you, and that's for coyotes. Because coyotes uh, generally follow sounds. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a thing. And they'll follow. And as soon as they're close enough, if a bird flies, they'll continue to chase it. So, you know, he can, you know, a, a whippoorwill can take a dog, you know, out several hundred miles if he wanted to. And leave them there. And then just went back. Yeah. And go yeah. To the nest. Well, you know, we'll obviously for a couple of days. Obviously, it's about a mile. That's that's usually what they go. It's about sure. a mile, and then they just whoop, go way up in the air, come back to the nest, and then it's yeah. good. They've taken the animal so far away that now they're like, well, that's too much trouble to go back. Yeah, yeah. That's the intention. You'll probably find another bird. It's usually there. about a mile, mile and a half. Because I've I've followed them out in the pasture, and it's just it's it's funny watching them do it, because if. If, if you watch them, like just they just fake injuries left and right, and then if you get close enough, they just like, take flight. Jk, like yeah, exactly. Like not even not even blinking. That's crazy. And and it's just an interesting and that just goes to show God's creation. Uh huh. I mean, really, that is just one one out of however it's not many, like one bird all species. of the whippoorwill species does that yeah you know it doesn't it, it doesn't be it doesn't matter if you find joe right you know? <laughs> joe the yeah whippoorwill joe. he's not the only one that does it they all do it. it it is a it is a fun thing i i do you know obviously don't don't take the eggs because it is they're they're not an endangered species but they are rare uh -huh. whippoorwills are not uh, not the most common. They're not the most common. Um, you know, they're they're a little less common than mockingbirds, but but uh, you know, they have actually grown primarily because it's kind of funny, you know, reverse reasoning there. But um, a lot of the other bird species have really been hindered because of the cowbirds, uh -huh. and cowbirds don't lay eggs in the ground, so. Uh -huh. The whippoorwill has kind of escaped that being a problem. Yeah. Because cowbirds only... They only are cowbirds native to Texas? They are. They're, okay. they're, uh, they were a... I think they're actually a, a native area to, I think, New Mexico? Okay. And they've just kind of come down? You could look that up. Um, but I, I feel like they, they aren't... <laughs> The region, let's just say the region, because well, let's look it up. Let me look it up here. Cowbirds. So they're native to North America in general. Okay. 
we can shoot cowbird. Oh, my, my grandfather used to do it every evening. They look like really pompous birds. If a bird can look pompous. Yeah, they're... Like, is that the picture you see? Uh, yeah, yeah, actually. Is it? <laughs> they're, uh, they're something else. Yeah. So, they are a member of the Blackbird family. Interesting. So, they are a member of the Blackbird family, which is funny because most Blackbirds don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> they're also a very small bird. Yeah. They're only about seven inches. Okay. Not much. So... Well, about the size of a robin, right. which is probably why they lay about the same size eggs. Yeah. Which is probably why it's easy to fool a robin. Yeah. yeah. Huh, that's interesting. But yeah, they, they've been kind of a disaster for robins. Uh, and I, I used to love springtime. Uh, you know, I, I'd cut the backyard really short, and I'd lay seed out there. And then I'd, I'd watch the robins, you know, because robins love short grass seed, the mm-hmm. land, and yeah. and have a have a nice little feast. And I, I used to just, I'd literally sit. We, we had a, a, a big uh, French door on the back. Well, you see, you, you you've seen our back porch. Yeah, yeah, that big French door yeah. we have. I'd sit right there on the floor, you know, just just watching the robins all along that backyard under the trees. They would they would have all their nests up in the trees. There'd be eight or nine of them. Yeah, and uh, and they just come down and feast on whatever I had, but they'll only do it if the grass is short. They will not. They'll they won't land in tall grass because they don't do snakes. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> they're they're actually. I try not to do snakes too. Yeah, I, I try. I try. I, I try to quit. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quit yeah. doing snakes a while ago. But uh, but it is interesting. But mockingbirds, cowbirds. That's uh, that's what we have for interesting facts about Texas and uh, uh, whippoorwills and whippoorwills. Yeah, uh, they're a fun one. I, I can't. We don't have them up here in North Carolina, so it's 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 kind of something that uh, you know. They're also kind of a summer bird. You yeah. really only see them in the summer because uh, that's that's their nesting season, okay. and so that's that's when you notice them the most. On vacation, rush yeah. I the probably the times when I've noticed them the most uh, is. You know, cutting pastures, yeah, that kind of thing. When they're they're obviously trying to get the tractor away from their nest. Right, you always, right. you never know where their nest is, so you always feel just a little bit bad because you might have just killed everybody. <laughs> yeah. But you see them, you know, doing the the thing, and you're like, ah, oh, well, we're close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're we're at least within thirty feet at this point. You yeah. know, uh, and you always feel just a little bit bad because you know you you've just trimmed the whole field. Yeah. You're like, sorry, dude. <laughs> Try are, again next year. Your eggs are probably <laughs> uh, scrambled. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll tell right, you what, Stuart, well, would you pray us out? Yeah, let's do that. Great God in heaven, we thank you so much for this uh, uh, podcast that we have, and I pray that you bless the Texans' take and bless our listeners. I uh, pray that we've been a special blessing, blessing to them. And I uh, pray that you would continue us in our reading and digging into your word. Uh, give us some special insight, Lord, and uh, let us uh, praise you all the more for your wonders and your power and your might. Uh, thank you so much, Lord, and be with us this day. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And uh, adios. Adios. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and more. And be sure to like and check out our Facebook page.